It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Wednesday, March 31st edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and tomorrow is April, which means it is officially full-on draft season, and we are going to celebrate here over the course of the next week or so here on Locked On Dolphins by doing deep dives into specific players that the Dolphins could slash should be considering with their early NFL draft selections. Today, the case and argument for and against targeting and drafting tight end Kyle Pitts from the University of Florida. Consider this your scouting deep dive for the Miami Dolphins specifically with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is generally considered one of the five best prospects in this year's NFL draft class, regardless of positional value. The draft network has him rated fourth overall in this class. Interestingly enough, two of the other players that are in consideration for the Miami Dolphins, depending on how the board falls, wide receiver Jalen Waddell and offensive tackle Penny Sewell are also in the top five of the draft network's rankings. Uh, Our personal set, utilizing a, a team of five scouts, Myself, Joe Marino, former NFL scout Dre Harris, former NFL scout Brentley Weissman, and Jordan Reed. A really great group of guys, and uh, our collaborative efforts are pooling together to to mutually grade these players, and, and the aggregate score of those is kind of how our big board stacks. So Kyle Pitts checks in fourth. Jordan Reed is of the opinion that he is, Kyle Pitts is the best football player in this draft, not playing the quarterback position. Uh, that is also technically true for me. Uh, I have Kyle Pitts tied with Penny Sewell for highest grades assigned amongst non-quarterbacks, and only Trevor Lawrence, for me personally, has a better grade than Kyle Pitts. So what I'm hoping to accomplish today is to look at all of the primary reasons to argue for this decision to be made and all of the primary decisions that you could come up for why the Dolphins should go in a different direction. And I think when you look to build an argument for Kyle Pitts, best player available simply is the easiest argument that you could start with. Anywhere beyond those top two or three selections with quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts is going to be argued by many to be the best player available until he's off the board. So when you have a player with that dynamic, regardless of throwing things like positional value and track record of tight end in the top 10 and needs for the Dolphins, at the end of the day, there is no such thing 
as having too many good football players. And there is no such thing in today's NFL as having too many good tight ends on the field because your athletic tight ends, and we'll get into usage and alignments and all that kind of stuff from both Mike Gusecki and Kyle Pitts here in just a couple minutes. But at the end of the day, 12 personnel is kind of, you can knock people's socks off. If you've got a guy who is at least competent to put his hand in the dirt and you've got a guy who can line up wide at the tight end position, And most of your high-volume guys do both to some degree. It's just what kind of matchup are they going to draw in coverage assignments. If you bring two tight ends out on the field, and I know this is nothing new for anybody who's a regular listener to the podcast. If you roll out in 12 personnel, the opposing team is going to have a really hard time deciphering whether or not you're going to come out in quote-unquote ace formation, which is a tight end on the ball on either side of the line of scrimmage, as a heavy front, a lot of gaps that you got to account for defensively because you count in between each offensive lineman is a gap, right? So you take the center, left guard, that's the A gap. Left guard, left tackle, B gap. Left tackle, tight end in this scenario, C gap. Outside of the tight end is D gap. And take take the same thing on the other side. So if you go two tight ends, hand in the dirt in the front, You've got A, B, C, D on both sides of the line of scrimmage. You've got eight gaps to account for defensively. You're going to two-gap that. You're going to have a single guy in each gap. If that's the case, you better have eight in the box to get a hat on a hat and get into each one of those gaps. So if you see two tight ends, but those tight ends are Gusecki and Pitts, and you send out your, your nickel, you're going to have a defensive back. You're going to have four down defensive linemen. You're going to have two linebackers on the field. And you're going to have two players that are secondary players, either nickel corners or safeties, who are now responsible for getting into run fits in the box. That's a conflict. Simultaneously, if you stay in base because the Dolphins ran 12 personnel and they had ace formation, and you come out and it's a three-by-one set, and they go into the field and they put three receivers out in the field with Mike Isecki in the slot, and you come back on the backside, and Kyle Pitts is either flexed out in a two-point stance, or maybe he's the nub. And the nub is that tight end that's the only man on that side of the formation, but he's handed his dirt, is on, and he's on the line of scrimmage. A three-by-one nub is what that's referred to as. Now you have a different set of conflicts where you have to, if you're in base in that situation, your linebackers are screwed. That's the value of 12 personnel. Kyle Pitts, best player available, makes a pretty sound argument. Now, how do these how would this proposition line up financially? Tight ends are starting to catch up to the market. And obviously the Dolphins are going to have a decision to make with Mike Isecki here in the not too distant future about his contract and situation long term. But we talked yesterday on Power to the Pod to premium positions, what they are, how you account for them, how you measure them. And I look at the franchise tag values or transition tag values of players in the NFL and the cost to do so. And that gives you a really clear visualization of where perceived value is in the NFL. 
quarterback, most expensive franchise tag slash transition tag, defensive end, second most, cornerback is fourth. Those are the first four that come to my mind when I, there are first three that come to my mind. Offensive tackles a little hazy because they group offensive linemen into it on overthecap.com. You know what's second to last for 2022 projected franchise tag value? Tight ends. Behind running back. The only thing it's in front of is special teams. So from an economic value, if you're drafting Kyle Pitts and you want to retain these two tight ends, the cost of retaining Kyle Pitts and Mike Isecki, even on a contract extension for Mike Isecki, is going to be the value that like Kenny Galladay got in free agency because wide receiver is the third highest paid franchise tag for 2021 because those guys they score touchdowns you get paid so your argument is financially speaking there's an advantage the franchise tag for wide receivers in 2020 was nearly 16 million dollars the franchise tag for tight end was 9.6 million dollars you're talking almost half the money. So if you choose to invest and you get a rare blue chip talent at the tight end position versus the wide receiver position, you can pay that player top dollar. George Kittle, I think, got 15 and broke the tight end market. Kenny Galladay got $3 million over 15 to be like a top 10 paid wide receiver. So if you want to manage your cap long term, there's an argument to be made that investing in tight ends multiple and having them be some of your primary best catcher, pass catchers in addition to creating conflicts for defensive coordinators for deciphering how they're going to defend you and what personnel they're going to put out on the field, this is a more friendly move for your cap situation as well. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar for quite some time. The amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on each and every one of their flavors. And now is the time to find out which flavor is the best, courtesy of Built Bar Madness. You can follow along with the bracket pitting Built Bar's flavors of Built Bar against one another to determine a champion at BuiltBar.com, or you can go to Bar underscore Built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com, and check back to see who claims the title of Built Bar's most delicious flavor. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So extending beyond best player available, which Kyle Pitts, if he's there at six, is going to have a very legitimate claim for. And right now the expectation, according to many, is you're going to see four quarterbacks go in the first four picks and Cincinnati is going to take Jamar Chase because that's what Joe Burrow's pushing for. It's either Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase. And either way, it's a win for the Dolphins because that'll put Kyle Pitts... Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith on the board. How would Kyle Pitts complement 
Mike Gusecki. I'm looking at courtesy of Warren Sharp, uh, sharpfootballstats.com. They have a directional grid of where each player on the Dolphins' offense had their targets placed. Mike Gusecki received 85 targets in the year 2020. 71% of those 85 targets were classified as targets into the short areas of the field. They divide your targets by short, left, middle, right, and deep, left, middle, right. 60 of 85 targets for Mike Gusecki. Short areas of the field. 26 of his targets came in the short, middle classification of the field. Take that knowledge that Mike Gusecki was primarily used underneath 70% of the time and look at his alignments. First of all, he only lined up in line 122 times out of 623 total snaps in the year 2020. That is 19.5% of the time that Mike Gusecki was on the field. His hand was in the dirt. 365 snaps, he was in the slot, detached, two-point stance, as a receiver. That's nearly 60% of his snaps came in the slot. He took more snaps on the boundary as an outside wide receiver than he did with his hand in the dirt as an inline tight end. 133 snaps out wide, and he took 122 snaps as an inline player. So Mike Gusecki is already 80% of his snaps a wide receiver. If you want to look at it from where he was utilized. First of all, I don't have a problem with it, neither should you. That's good coaching. Mike Gusecki with his hand in the dirt is not a very effective player. But you think about his utilization and his targets. Mike is going to run up the seam, he's going to press vertically to attack the middle. He's going to carry across the middle of the field and be a big body in the middle of the field. And those were the areas in which Mike was most successful, but he also played as a receiver on 80% of his snaps. Now, if you look at Kyle Pitts, courtesy of the Pro Football Focus draft guide, They do an awesome job in outlining utilization trends for players. You know how many snaps out of 409 Kyle Pitts took in the slot in 2020? From the slot, 79 snaps out of 409. That is 19% came in the slot. His snaps with his hand in the dirt, 261 out of 409. That's 64% of the time Kyle Pitts' snaps were taken with his hand in the dirt. So you can already see a clear deviation between where Kyle Pitts was used at Florida and where Mike Gusecki was used in the NFL. Now, granted, is Kyle Pitts going to be somebody that we're going to advocate for taking 80% of his snaps with his hand in the dirt? No. But you've at least seen at the University of Florida that his utilization saw 
significant number of inline reps. You go back to 2019, he took 708 snaps that year, and 440 of them were with his hand in the dirt. That's 62%. 156 of them came in the slot. 22%. So about 20% over the last two years has been in the slot, and about 60% has been in line, which means the other 20% approximately was out wide. So you see enough separation between the Kyle Pitts utilization, the Mike Isek utilization in Miami, that there should be enough room in this town for the both of us. Especially when you expand this and look to Kyle Pitts and his quote-unquote heat map of routes run and distribution and targets. Pro Football Focus also has this in their draft guide. It is a visual heat map of where a player receives their targets. And I'm telling you right now, the coldest part of Kyle Pitts' heat map from a targets and route run perspective is the middle of the field. And Mike Gusecki, according to Sharp Football, he had 35 targets in the middle of the field between the short and middle areas of the field. That's almost half of his targets. So as And I was surprised by this, to be completely honest. And I watched the tape on both players, of course. I charted every snap the Dolphins offense took this past year. And I studied six games of Kyle Pitts. And it still surprised me to see the numbers laid out in this regard, how much, I don't say lack of overlap there is, but how much room there is for both of these players to be featured. And then you get into 12 personnel, and we had the whole more 12 personnel campaign during the season last year. And you can really start to, to build an argument here that gets you excited about the potential of drafting Kyle Pitts. Football season may be over, but BetOnline still has plenty of opportunities for you to place your bets. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, television shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine, BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds you need and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up, so head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Kyle, where is the argument against drafting Kyle Pitts? Let's look at a little bit of recent draft history. We're going to look at 20 years worth of first round tight ends. Going back to 2001. Very different game back in 2001, but I want to take a big enough sample size to give you guys all of the first-round tight ends that were taken and where they were drafted. 
2001, Todd Heap, 31st overall to the Baltimore Ravens. Ended up being a great selection for them. 2002, Jeremy Shockey, 14th overall to the New York Giants. Also ended up being a good pick. Daniel Graham and Jeremy Stevens went in the first round of that in 21st and 28th, respectively. Neither one of those picks materialized. Dallas Clark in 2003 to the Indianapolis Colts, 24th overall. Also ended up being a good pick. Kellen Winslow Jr., 6th overall to the Cleveland Browns. Remember that name. Ben Watson to the Patriots at 32. So far, you can make a case there's a lot of reasonable selections. Heath Miller, 30th overall, 2005 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Vernon Davis, 6th overall. Remember that name. And Mercedes Lewis, 28th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Greg Olson, 31st overall. Dustin Keller, 30th overall. Yikes. Pour one out for the Jets. F in the chat. Brandon Pettigrew, yikes, for the Lions. 20th overall. Jermaine Gresham, 21st overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. A little bit of a lull. Tyler Eifert, 21st overall, Cincinnati Bengals. Bit of a trend. Eric Ebron, 10th overall to the Detroit Lions. Eric's quietly still ticking and going quite strong. It just took him a little bit, and it didn't work out in Detroit. O.J. Howard, 19th overall, Tampa Bay. Hayden Hurst, 25th overall, Baltimore Ravens, no longer on the team. T.J. Hawkinson, 8th overall, Noah Fant, 20th overall. That's it. So over a 20-year sample size, you have plenty of reasonable hits, but how many players did you see go in the top 10? Genuine question. This is a pretty unprecedented place to be. Vernon Davis, Kellen Winslow Jr., and TJ Hawkinson. Those are the first-round tight ends over the last 20 years. Tight end is also traditionally a position that does not gracefully transition to the NFL game. And if you want any more evidence of that, we can pull up what TJ Hawkinson has done in his first two seasons. He was perfectly fine this past season in Detroit in year two. But the year one impact for TJ Hawkinson, 32 receptions for 367 yards and two touchdowns, and he accomplished that in 525 snaps. He played less than half the snaps for the Lions. You go to Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis is a player who took time acclimating to the NFL level. His rookie season, 20 receptions for 265 yards and three scores. Vernon didn't break out until year four. His first three seasons in NFL receiving, 265, 509, okay, perfectly fine, 358. Followed that up with two consecutive 900-plus yards and 20 touchdowns over his fourth and fifth seasons combined. It paid off for San Francisco. Vernon Davis went on to have an excellent career in the NFL. He played 15 seasons. He had 7,500 yards and 63 receiving touchdowns. But you don't get the payoff when you transition as a receiving tight end into the NFL. More often than not, there is a bit of growing pains there. Kellen Winslow. If we're, we, I mean, we might as well do the entire trio. Kellen Winslow came into the league in 2014. And his rookie season, five receptions for 50 yards. He missed his second season with a torn ACL. So this one at least gets the 
I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt, but you can at least say, well, he was injured. And then he posted 875 yards in year three as a 23-year-old with the Browns in 2006 and then went for 1,100 yards in 2007, made the Pro Bowl that season. But the sample size of tight ends going in the top 10 and paying dividends for a team like the Dolphins who feels like they're ready to compete That's a tough transition from playing in the SEC or playing as Kellen Winslow did in the ACC or playing as Vernon Davis did in the uh, Maryland was in the Big Ten. I don't think they were in the Big Ten at the time. Hawkinson was in the Big Ten. So my question is for you as a Dolphins fan, if you believe this team's winning window is with Tua Tagovailoa on a rookie contract and the infrastructure that's in place and finding the right weapons, are you confident in betting on Kyle Pitts being the exception to the rule? And if you're not confident, how big do you think the Dolphins' Super Bowl winning window is? I don't have those answers. And I feel like Kyle Pitts is the kind of rare talent that will justify a top 5 slash top 10 selection at the tight end position. But what I cannot tell you, and what I don't have any level of confidence in, is what the short-term payoff is for a team that needs weapons that can immediately boost what the Dolphins' passing game can bring to the table. You'll have Mike Gusecki. You'll probably have Devontae Parker. You're going to have Will Fuller this year. Where in that pecking order can Kyle Pitts fit? And who can he push out of the lineup? Can he play consistently with his hand in the dirt year one? That is not an easy ask to make. And if you're going to have him coexist with Mike Gusecki, you're probably going to ask him to do that or else you're going to ask him to bump Preston Williams out of the lineup. And I have no problems with asking him to bump Preston Williams out of the lineup. None whatsoever. Preston Williams, for me, is a player that I could take or leave. I'm being completely honest. The durability, the drops, it's all concerning at this point. So if if, if you want to use Kyle Pitts as a hand-in-the-dirt tight end two, but also simultaneously be replacing Preston Williams. Just remember, he only did that about 20% of his snaps at the University of Florida the last two years. 60% of the time it was hand in the dirt, 60% or 20% of the time it was in the slot, and 20% of the time it was elsewhere. So that's kind of the complicated jigsaw puzzle that you have to play with Kyle Pitts that you don't have to play with at other spots. The precedent of drafting him in the top 10 at that position is hazy at best. And if you're going to ask him to do other things to stay on the field for more than what a rookie tight end would do, you're asking him to do some things that he was not asked to do with great frequency. Now, he's shown the physical capability of doing it, and I think long-term the payoff would be phenomenal for the Dolphins. Does that outweigh the economic benefit of investing heavily in the tight end position? Does that outweigh the overlay that you can have with Mike Gusecki primarily in the slot and Kyle Pitts elsewhere? 
And does that pros and cons, does the net outcome plus or minus outweigh what the other hypothetical pros and cons would be of Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell? And if you want to put Penny Sewell in there, we can put Penny Sewell in there. That's what this series is designed and aims to do for us. I would say with Kyle Pitts, the positives are overwhelmingly in favor over the negatives. But you have to acknowledge there is some inherent risk with drafting a position that does not often get drafted in the top 10 because these players so often struggle with that transition at first. And if you're going to ask him to do more, to be a more high-impact player, you're probably going to ask him to do some things he wasn't asked to do all that much. But the resume and the case for Kyle Pitts in its entirety is very strong to be the pick at six if the Dolphins choose to stay there. How it measures up to the others is what the rest of the series is going to do. So make sure you hit subscribe on this podcast. Come back and see me again soon, please. I always enjoy talking with you guys. I always enjoy hearing from you. Locked on Fins on Twitter. Grinding the tape on Twitter. TheDraftNetwork.com. Dolphins Wire. Bunch of places you can find my work. Please don't be a stranger. Much love. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Hope to talk to you guys again soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.